Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Really super, super, super excited about today's guest. Maria Emmerich. She's a nutritionist who specializes in the ketogenic diet and exercise physiology. She struggled with her health and weight throughout childhood, which led her to become such a passionate nutrition expert. Maria specializes in brain neurotransmitters and how food can increase mental wellness. Her expertise has sent her around the world speaking about ketogenic diets. She has also cooked with Holly Berry and writes for Holly's website. You can find her at ketomaria.com. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Maria, but welcome. You're so sweet. Thank you for having me. We've been so looking forward to this. I know my listeners have as well. And so everyone knows Maria's in in Hawaii and there was just a big storm and we are trying to do this different in a different way. So I just really, really appreciate your um, making this happen today. Cause I know it's a more of a challenging situation than usual for you. Oh yeah. But you know what, that this is the type of stuff that we'll remember we're out, we're without power and light and we can't even open the fridge. This is hot out. Like we're hungry and we're like, Nope, we're just, we're not opening the fridge, you know, and it's like, oh, it's a struggle. The whole town, ta- the whole town area is out. So it's not like you can just pick up like Uber Eats or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's challenging. Well, let's start out a little bit. I know some people are probably very familiar with your story, but just in case they're not, if you could talk to us a little bit about, I know in the intro, we said, you know, you struggled with your health and weight through childhood and maybe just tell us a little bit of your own story and journey that led you to being, you know, basically like uh, what I think is a pretty big authority now in the keto. So (laughs) thank you. Well, um, this was about 25 years ago, even more so. Um, I was 16 years old. Yes, you can do the math. And I wasn't feeling well. And I went to the family doctor. And at that visit, she told me I had something called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is basically a type two diabetes that affects female fertility. Um, I was given three different prescription drugs, one for my acid reflux, one for my depression and one for my IBS. And at that visit, the doctor told me it was nothing I was doing wrong. It was just the cards I was dealt in life. But honestly, I worked at a coffee shop where I would make, I would go before high school and I would make the scones and the muffins and the cinnamon rolls. And then after school, I would go and uh, go back to the coffee shop and whatever didn't sell that day, I got to go home with because nobody wants a stale cinnamon roll from the next day, right? They want fresh ones at the store. So I got to go home with them, but I would make sure to make extra cinnamon rolls just to make sure I would have that to eat. And that's what I ate. I ate, drank mochas and ate sugar and carbohydrates. 
But that very same week, I took my dog, who was a beautiful golden retriever, to the vet. And the vet asked, she was losing patches of her hair. And the first question the vet asked me was, what are you feeding her? So compared to my doctor, who said it was just the cards I was dealt, the vet was very honest. He's like, what you put in the mouth is going to affect your, you know, how your health is. And that's when I decided I wanted to go to, I was always one of the best athletes. I was just one of the literally biggest ones. Um, so I went to uh, college for nutrition and exercise physiology. And um, that's kind of how it started. Wow. And like, I'm just thinking, yeah, cause there's so many times that um, the, from a medical doctor, you're not even talking, nutrition doesn't even come into it. Like your story is so many people are going to resonate with. It's like, yep, here, take this, take this, take this. It's not even addressing the root cause or what are you eating, but you go to a well, vet and that's what they're talking. I mean, that's amazing to me. It's like, Oh, yeah. what are you but honestly, you know, now if a doctor asks me what I'm eating, I just say none of your business because they all are going to tell me I'm going to die of a heart attack. So I just don't talk to them about it. Yeah. If I was, if I would say I don't eat any sugar. And when I say sugar, I mean, honey, agave and all that junk. I don't eat anything out of a package. I only eat fresh foods, um, that are nutritious, you know, maybe that they'll leave me alone. But if I told them I had, you know, a steak for breakfast and, you know, they might be like, what, you know, exactly. And they, and then we also, you know, as I've interviewed a lot of doctors on the podcast there, they talk openly that nutrition isn't normally a part of the curriculum or if it is, it's a, it's like an elective and very small, you know, so. Oh yeah. I know. I've had many medical doctors, um, come to my office to learn about nutrition because they know absolutely nothing. And they know what they are worried about with cholesterol is not what they should be worried about with their, their patient's health. So I feel very honored to have many doctors come learn from me. Yeah. And I'm also honestly impressed because I also had polycystic ovary syndrome. So very familiar. And I was diagnosed a lot later, probably had it at age 16, but was put on birth control, right? And yes, a way to manage it. So it didn't really catch up with me until I went off birth control in my later 20s and then had to like figure it out. But um, I think that's, you know, really good that they were even able to diagnose it because it's getting to be more common now. But for a while, even for me, you know, that's been about like 13, 14 years ago now, it was really hard to even get the diagnosis. So I feel like they are making some like kind of progress there, but I love the way yeah. that you put it, that it's basically like type two diabetes. And a lot of it is around, you know, the insulin resistance. So here you are, you know, given that still being a good athlete and then deciding to go to college for nutrition and physiology. So what kind of then next steps led you <sighs> to the more ketogenic diet? Um, well, you know, when you look into what causes PCOS, there wasn't Google 25 years ago, but it was very clear in the medical research that it's excess caffeine, sugar, and carbohydrates. So I, you know, immediately knew I had to cut those, but I didn't want to live off of chicken breast and broccoli to me. Like that still sounds gross. So I just started like, I, I love to bake. I love to be in the kitchen. I just started getting into the kitchen, making some of my favorite things into, you know, like these exotic, like I have a cinnamon roll that's basically pure protein and it's like really good. People love it. Um, but when I, when I, uh, I met my husband at the young age of 17, Wow. I was married 
I was married before I could drink alcohol. Yeah, we've had our 20th wedding anniversary already now. And we wanted to adopt children. We just, you know, that's what our choice was. We didn't want to go through the fertility higamarole and stuff. We knew there was a lot of kids out there that needed, um, you know, parents. And so we started to do that. And I graduating college, I just wanted to be a mom. So I was a rock climbing guide. I didn't even jump into the nutrition aspect of what I went to school for. Um, and when we were in the process of adopting, my husband lost his job. And if you know anything about adoption, when you lose a job, that's your primary insurance and, you know, how you're paying for your house and stuff, you start back at square one. So about, you know, $20,000 just went in the garbage can. You know, it was not only that, we couldn't pay our house payments anymore. We couldn't, uh, we sold our cars. Um, like, it's hard talking about it because it was a really bad time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was one of the darkest times in my life. However, um, I'm grateful for that time. Um, I remember my mom saying, well, Maria, your babies weren't born yet because I was just so sad that, you know, the kids we were adopting, we just couldn't. Mm. Um, and she just said, your kids weren't born yet. And if you know me, hear it from her at the time or everything happens for a reason. Um, my kids are pretty, pretty cool. But anyway. Okay. So at that time, that's when I started writing because I knew I needed to get a real job. Um, so I would ride my bike to the library because I owned, we owned nothing at the time. And I just put my heart out into my first book called Keto Adapted. And it's still self-published and people still love it. Um, and soon Craig's like, I don't think I need to get a job. And he's the stay at home dad. Um, and it's just now Halle Berry has my books. And I, I mean, I didn't even send them to her. She just loves them. And I just uh, some, oh, this is what happened. Someone said, Maria, you should put your recipes together in a book to help raise money for your adoption. So not only did I write the nutritional guidebook, I wrote um, my first cookbook and um, we just started selling to local people and it just went gangbusters. People on Amazon wanted it. And it just was like really cool how people, they wanted to eat good food. They didn't want to eat chicken breast and broccoli either. And so I feel very uh, grateful for the struggles I've had because it makes me, I live very simply. I cut my own hair. I, my purse is $20. Like I live very simply. And I know that hardships can come at any time. So I don't know. I just count my blessings every day. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And to be in that really dark place, but then, um, using that struggle, like you said, like now it's something that you're really grateful for because it helped get you to where you are today. And in the moment, that's hard for a lot of us to see, but, yeah. um, yeah. And, really being able, what I love, I didn't know that part that you, as far as the adoption that one of, you know, the reasons you wrote that was, it's kind of like a fundraiser. Um, it was, that's really, really cool. Yeah, so. it, it was. I brought it to, I, I worked out at the Y a lot because that came with my, when I was a rock climbing guide, it was a YMCA type of a job. And so I had a free membership. So I'd go to the Y and everybody's like, we'll buy your book. We'll buy your book. And 
it, these strangers would come up to me and it was pretty cool. Well, let's talk just a little bit about, yeah, when you started kind of experimenting with the ketogenic diet, like what happens in your own health and wellness and even mental health? Because I know that you really, in your intro, you said you specialize in the brain neurotransmitter. So I do want to talk a little bit about like the mental um, health piece of it and wellness, not just there's so many, of course, physical benefits, but I'm just curious kind of what you experienced for yourself personally. Well, anybody with PCOS knows that weight loss is very difficult. And, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to happen, but it's not what happened right away. Um, but I would say the depression went away within days. I felt like a brand new person. People who knew me back then that know me now, they're like, who are you? You're like this brave person that you know, I never would have recognized before. Um, and that's why I find this way of eating so powerful is, you know, people jump on the keto diet because they want to lose weight, but the benefits that come along with it are way better than, you know, weight loss. I mean, the best way to reverse insulin resistance is to shrink your fat cells. So yeah, that's going to be a healthy thing to lose weight, but, um, man, you know, being, I remember being at one of my book signings and this 17 year old girl came up to me and gave me a big old hug. And she said, if it weren't for you, I'd be institutionalized because my anxiety um, just makes it in a, I, I couldn't even come to an event like this and to see her thriving is pretty, I mean, I love those types of testimonies. Wow. Yeah. And I think you're right. A lot of people and I was one of them was really focused on losing weight. But that to me now, when I talk about the benefits of being sugar and flour free, it goes so far beyond <laughs> the weight loss. That's just almost like a, oh yeah, add it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. Like that's just an added bonus, but all the yeah. other stuff there is so much bigger. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need, you, you, if you do the ketogenic diet blindly, not often will you lose weight. I mean, my kids, they're not trying to lose any weight. They're thriving and growing on the ketogenic diet. They don't, you know, need any carbohydrates to grow. Um, you know, most people jump on the keto bandwagon, eating a bunch of cheese and nuts. And they're like, oh, I tried keto and it didn't work for me. Yeah. Cause you're just eating off of, you know, dairy and nuts those are exact opposite of what I would suggest for someone trying to heal their body. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that a little bit. What do you kind of suggest to the people that you help and work with and in your books and cookbooks and, you know, how do you kind of suggest for people? Cause that's the thing. There is so many different ways to keto, I feel like. And I think a lot of people do get the wrong idea about it. So I think it's really important if this is something you want to try is really to like do it the right way and spend some time like making sure that you're doing it in that in that correct way so you get the best benefits from it well yeah that's one of the reasons why I started the basically a keto college because first of all I couldn't keep up with clients um, I'm swamped you know nonstop. today I have four clients you know it's just it's crazy busy um, so I started a basically a keto college for those who want to do, get like an education on how to properly coach people to do a ketogenic diet in a healthy way um, and teaching them about natural supplements and different things like that. So 
um, yeah, I have a lot of keto coaches that um, go through my program that we have, um, you know, four semesters a year. And um, if someone's looking for, you know, how to basically do it properly, I would say I have a free calculator at, if they go to ketomaria.com, they'll see a link to the free keto macro calculator. And if they fill that out, I would say most people underestimate their body fat percentage. They don't want to admit that they're 40, 50% body fat, but a lot of times they are. Um, but if they enter the information properly, they'll get the great uh, macros and macros are your protein, carbs, and fat. And protein is the most important macro you're going to want to do. Too many people try the keto diet and they're like, oh, Maria, I started losing my hair or my thyroid, you know, didn't do so well. Well, yeah, if you're doing fat bombs and fat fast and drinking bulletproof coffee, you're going to fail. But if you prioritize protein, lower the fat, depending on if you're trying to lose weight, which 99% of people are, you know, lower that fat dial down, use that as your lever and then, you know, keep the carbohydrates. So protein is the goal. You have to hit that macro fat is a maximum and carbohydrates is a maximum. You can go under. Wow. And that's so great that this is a free resource that's on your website. <laughs> we spend a lot of money on that uh, tool, but it's, you know, a lot of people love it. So it's a win-win for us. I, I love when people have success. Yeah. And I do, again, you know, if people are listening and, and thinking, well, I really want to try this. I love that you do have coaches that are kind of certified in your way. Like I, I would say, you, you know, reach out to someone like that for the help so that, you know, again, that you're doing it the right way. Cause I think you can work with a lot of coaches that are, oh yeah, I know how to, how to do the key, but it might not really be in the way that's going to be like, like you said, it could just be a lot of cheese and nuts. I mean, technically, yeah, you're keto, but it's not the way that's going to give you the healthiest return or what you're really looking for. So, well, I guess I specialize in autoimmune disease. So anybody with autoimmune issues, whether it be Hashimoto's, Graves, MS, Parkinson's, you name it, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, getting those to go into remission is my specialty. I love it when a doctor's like, you're never going to get off thyroid medication. And they do. Um, I think that's just awesome. Um, but you know, that's what my coaches are specialized to help people with. And what's interesting, I had someone yesterday, a phone client yesterday come to me and she said, the, I had a keto coach tell me that I, oh, you didn't lose weight. Add another two tablespoons of butter. Like, in what world did that, why did you listen to that advice? Mm. Like, in what world did that sound like a good idea? And, you know, she already emailed this morning that she's feeling so much better and, you know. Yeah. So again, really like what I'm hearing is like really finding someone with the expertise and experience and which you just have a ton of now working <sighs> with your background with yourself personally, and now just all the clients you've seen between then and now. So, um, yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit more and then we're going to get into your cookbook, especially your newest one, which is sugar-free kids. Cause I think so many people listening can have so many questions and I get that a lot on the podcast, like how to help our kids. So we'll get there. Um, but talk to us just a little bit more. Cause I still think this is fascinating. The neurotransmitters and how food can increase mental wellness. Is there anything else that you can just dive in? Like maybe a few more minutes there for people. Oh to yeah. Understand? Absolutely. Like, you know, I don't know if a lot of people realize that 
your neurotransmitters come from your gut and they go to your brain. So like serotonin, dopamine, GABA, they all come from the gut. If you don't have a good, healthy gut, if it's inflamed, it's really hard to have, you know, a good, healthy emotion. And not only that, I mean, depression, anxiety, it can be caused by a lot of different things. And yes, we have, we all have terrible times in life. I'm not talking about when, you know, someone close to you dies or something like that. That's terrible. However, if it's ongoing, like you have no reason to be sad, like looking into your body and how to heal that is very powerful. You know, one, look at your vitamin D levels. Two, are you, do you have a histamine intolerance? Um, histamines will block serotonin. Um, so that in turn can cause depression. Um, gluten and dairy, their proteins can, they have the cellular mimicry to look like the, the tryptophan and stuff that our bodies use to make serotonin. And so when you get rid of those proteins like gluten and casein, um, depression often lifts, which is pretty mind blowing. I've had a lot of people with bipolar disorder get off medication and it's not easy. It's a transition. Um, but a lot of people are like, that's not possible. And then they go through it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. But there's a lot of different things looking at the gut, getting rid of the inflammation. Sugar is super inflammatory. That's, you know, really important. And I'm also, um, my husband suffered from Lyme disease really bad. So I know a lot about Lyme disease, Babesia, all the mold toxicity that goes along with it. So it's like peeling an onion. There's not just one thing that I, you know, is in my protocol. It's a whole peeling of the onion, um, getting rid of the foods that could be triggering a response, um, getting in some natural supplements, um, and, you know, healing the body that way. And I'm sure that you find that it's kind of very individual per person to person, as far as like these added tweaks, you know, of maybe what works for one person might not work the exact same way in another totally. person. Um, yeah. But one thing that people should take away is that, um, amino acids, that's what makes your serotonin and acetylcholine and, dopamine, and those come from animal protein. So when I'm dealing with someone who's a vegetarian or a vegan, I ask them, is it because you think it's healthy or because of religious reasons or because you just love animals that much that you just can't do it? Because if you think it's healthy, sit down because I'm going to teach you a lot about why it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, yeah, I'm curious then how many people that you <laughs> change their mind and like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to give this a try. Cause I know I've had, um, clients that were pretty, you know, vegan or vegetarian started kind of slowly adding things back in meat wise and finding that they actually felt better. So, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. sure you kind of experience that same thing. A hundred percent. And pretty cool that Holly Berry, I'm looking at the sugar-free kids cookbook. She also wrote the foreword for this. So um, pretty cool that you linked up. And at, from what I understand, she has type one diabetes. Is that correct? And maybe that's what kind of led her to eating and following your recipes and plan. No, uh, that's what, it's a misconception. She has type two. 
Um, okay. you know, I, I don't know if there was, a someone misspoke at one point, but some, you know, a lot of people get confused about that. Mm, um, yeah. so yeah, like it's, um, she just started eating this way, just, uh, you know, not need medication, um, to stay healthy, to stay fit, to stay beautiful. Like it's all about like, you know, her skin is perfect, right? It, you know, sugar is glycating. It's really bad for the skin and all of that. So, um, that's one of the reasons that she looks so beautiful at her age. Um, but yeah, she just, I didn't even know she had my books and a lot of people were like, Oh my gosh, Halle Berry's making your recipes on Instagram. I was like, what? <laughs> and so we just started writing to each other and, um, we just made a friendship and she could be the biggest diva. I mean, she's accomplished so much in her life and she's anything, but she's just, she has the heart of gold. Mm, I love that. And that's so cool that that really helped boost your, I'm sure, you know, she's making your recipes on Instagram that really was able to grow your audience a lot because, you know, you are very, very well known. Um, well, so you. yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about sugar-free kids. So that's the latest um, it's over, I'm looking here, 150 recipes for the whole family. It's beautiful. I know people can't see, but like the pictures are all, I just love the way visually it's so beautiful. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like it's just really, even just the recipe part, but then there's a picture with every single thing, which I always appreciate because I'm like, what am I, what am I aiming for here? Um, well, what I, I wanted the book to kind of read like a magazine or a comic book for kids. That's very easy to understand. But honestly, I've had people say, I don't even have kids. This is my favorite book of yours. <laughs> um, but yeah. I wanted it to be a very easy read and to understand what sugar is doing, where sugar is hidden, um, you know, foods that turn into sugar. And I did want to touch on the aspect of like, if you look at even our fruits and vegetables, we're breeding them to have more sugar in them. Like a cotton candy grape, that is not what our ancestors ate, my friends. Like that has four times the amount of sugar as what an ancestral grape has. And same with the strawberries. You look at a strawberry from Costco, it's as big as your hand. And a wild strawberry is about as big as your pinky finger, uh, about the fingernail. It's tiny. Yeah, that's so true. Well, um, and I know your kids were a pretty big influence in helping with creating this cookbook too, right? Because it was really oh. a, a process you did with them. I would say that all of my books are honestly <laughs> like they, you know, they're the taste testers. They help pass the test of all the recipes. I do have many recipe testers that also do that with their families mm -hmm. and their friends. Um, but yeah, I wanted them to be a part of it. So like they, we have little avatars and we all throughout the book, we'll have like my son, Micah's avatar saying what he feels about the recipe or what he feels about, like when he does have sugar, how he feels. Same with Kai, my other son, Kai, like what he feels about what's his favorite recipe. And like, you can find our avatars all over the place that look like, you know, one of us. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I like that you have um, the level of like hard, medium, how hard it is to like easy some of these recipes. are. Yes, I, w I wanted most of the recipes to be so easy that, a, you know, a child can make them on their own. Um, I did a whole recipe on chaffles, if you're familiar with those. Some of them are dairy free, so I guess they shouldn't be called 
truffles, but they're like mini waffles. We get this little mini waffle maker and all you do is stir all the ingredients in a little bowl and then put it into the waffle maker and close it. And you can make little sandwiches with them. And there's like a cinnamon roll one. There's a pumpkin muffin one. There's all different flavors. There's a taco one. Um, and like kids can make that on their own. I love that chapter. And I also made a chapter of my instant pot and slow cooker favorites because like, I know I'm a busy working mom. Everybody's like, oh, I don't have time to cook. I'm like, okay, you're not as busy as I am. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> um, but I still make sure that we eat healthy food. Cause you know what? If I didn't, I couldn't accomplish everything I do in a day. Like I told you, Netflix is coming next week. A director's coming to film. Um, I wrote three books last year. Um, I'm consulting clients every day. We homeschool our kids. Like it, it's a busy thing, but if I didn't eat well, I don't think I could do everything that I do in a day. And I really enjoy the food, but I'm a master at like batch cooking. Like, and first of all, my kids are 11 and 12 and they've been helping for probably the last five years. Like they love my Italian chili. And so when we make it, I make 10 pounds of ground beef into Italian chili. It tastes like pizza in a bowl without any dairy. And they love that so much that I, much that I can freeze it in portions. You can just, eat, whether it be on the stovetop or microwave, whatever you use, there's no judging. I don't care. But like we, we love my Mama Maria's meatballs. And so when we make meatballs, I make a quadruple batch so I can freeze them just like you brought meatballs in the freezer section. Same with the waffles. Make extra so you have waffles in the freezer just like you bought an Eggo waffle and they can toast them up. Um, I'm, I'm all about having um, really easy recipes ready to go in a heartbeat. Um, I love, I don't know if you've heard of my protein sparing bread, which is basically just egg whites and then dried egg whites added to it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that on Instagram. Um, it looks delicious. Yeah. People, people make it all over the world. And that's like one of our things. I always have that in the fridge or freezer. Um, and I can make burgers with it. I can make, um, sandwiches with it. It can be even a vegetarian sandwich, which would be a great way to get protein in for a vegetarian. Um, but I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. It tastes great as French toast, you name it. And yeah, it's going to go bad if you leave it on the counter. It's not like regular bread. It's only two ingredients. There are no, um, preservatives in there so you really have to treat this like you know see they've got to be in the fridge or the freezer I get that question a lot <laughs> yeah but that is such a great way just to batch you know make things I, I do that too and then so there's always something in the freezer that I can pull out and if I have to you know um, yes. it does take a little more I think it takes a, a little more effort in the beginning or preparation but then I think it becomes so automatic that it, it really it's not that much extra time once you kind of get into it's, it. Yeah. It's really, really not. I mean, we, it was, um, we did this really fun thing. We live, um, we live in the country, but like Chipotle is on the outskirts of town. So it's maybe like three miles away. And we did this thing where my husband jumped in the car with one of my sons and they drove to Chipotle and they brought it back. And we put a timer on both of us. I made Chipotle at home with my <laughs> other son. And we wanted to just show people, first of all, it was about a fourth of the price making it at home. And we used all organic ingredients. 
And second of all, by the time he came home, we were done eating and we had leftovers. So it's not faster. It's not easier. It's not cheaper. I mean, yes, it is easier, but it's not cheaper. I mean, relying to ourselves, if you think, you know, getting takeouts cheaper, it's not. And I mean, we proved like, and he went at like two o'clock in the afternoon. So it wasn't, he didn't wait in line at all. So I don't know. It's just people, they want an easy route, route, route out. And I mean, I was, I understand that. I, I grew up on fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles. Like I know like people are, they just don't want to work at it, but yet they'll go to the gym and work out for an hour. Well, skip that. Just throw some music on and dance around the kitchen. It's way more fun. Yeah. Well, I am very envious. I will say like, just, I can hear how much you love to cook, like you're receiving <laughs> bake cooking. And I do think that helps a lot. Like for me, oh, yeah. I've really had to um, kind of retrain my thought process around that because I, I never really, like cooking always feels like a chore for me, but now I'm really intentional about, no, you know what, preparing healthy meals for my family, it makes me feel really good. Like I kind of turn it around, like, no, this is a way I can really nourish myself and my family. So actually this makes me feel really good instead of, oh, I don't feel like, I, <laughs> you know. I love that you brought this up because that was another thing. I've worked with a few hospitals that um, specialize with depression and as well as other mood uh, disabilities. And one of the things they brought me in for is they wanted to put kitchens in hospitals. Why? Because getting into the kitchen, creating something that other, people's and other people enjoy helps lift their moods to the point where it's almost indescribable. And I loved, you know, not only that, it's teaching them how to get off of grains and sugars and, you know, all of the, you know, the gluten and the things that can cause mood disabilities, but also having them feel so good about making like, you know, my pizza or whatever, and people really liking it. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, it just, it really made their day, you know? Yeah, no, it does. It feels really, I think that does feel really good. And when you look at this again, like you're saying, like some people are like, uh, chicken and broccoli, which I actually, I'm very boring. Sometimes <laughs> like, I actually really love chicken and broccoli, but yeah, I don't eat that for every meal all the time. Um, and here you are like, I mean, I wish people need just to get this cookbook because so beautiful, <laughs> all these different, I mean, almost everything you have, like, um, you know, there's like a monkey bread in here, eggplant yep. fries. I mean, I'm just kind of like, you know, your pizza chicken balls that you're talking about enchiladas. I mean, you really have stuff like holiday themed. That's so cute. You even address birthdays and sugar-free holidays and your kids talk about what that feels like for them. I mean, it, it feels really overwhelming, I think, to start. But once you do start making, even if it's just little changes at first, I feel like kids really kind of adapt quickly um, and oh, get they, on board. Yeah. You know, what I like to say, the earlier, the better. I mean, your kids, they don't have any money. They don't have a license. They, you know, yes, when they're out of your control, like, you can, you only can do what you can do. And that's, you know, you got to live. I have to live that. But when they're under my roof, they're going to, you know, eat, you know, this way. I mean, the metabolic issues that are going on in the world, they're going up tenfold. That is because of the crap we are feeding 
our children because they're going to grow up with those metabolic diseases. I don't want my kids to be sick as they grow older. I want them to be healthy. They love being the fastest kids. They love being healthy. I mean, they're from a third world country. They should be sick a lot. They're never sick. I, I, I you know, approach that that is, has a lot to do with not eating sugar or grains. I think it's really powerful. And so were you from the start, you know, once upon like adopting your kids, I mean, were they, they've been this way the whole time with you, correct? It wasn't like, you know, they just grew up with this. Yep. They don't know. They know nothing different. I mean, yeah, they've had sugar and they get sick and that's our natural reaction. When you have your blood sugar surge like that, when you're used to having a nice, even keeled blood sugar and believe me, parents you just the mood behavior that you will experience with your child's changes of diet you will thank me just for that because I mean you know they shouldn't be acting like off the wall they shouldn't be having mental breakdowns when they're you know hungry or tired or anything like that I mean that's the power of food it really is so, yeah, so now your kids seem like they're, they're very supportive. It's really very much a family effort because you get them really involved and have the whole time, which I think also helps get kids, you know, on board, especially when they're helping prep and, you know, when you're educating them about things, but how do they navigate? And I know you do mention this in the cookbook, but how do you think they, how do they navigate the world where their um, friends might be eating differently and they kind of know that they eat differently? Like, how do they handle that at 11 and 12 years old? Well, you know, when they were younger, they would try to educate them. And I'm like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go there just yet. You know, um, just like lead by example, just be the healthy kids you are. And, you know, like they just eat their food, their kids the you know their friends will eat the other food honestly when their friends come over they love our food so it's not like I'm you know oh you gotta eat this or you know like again it's not chicken breast and broccoli we have gummy bears we have all of these really delicious things that kids like they just are a little bit different um you know we still have pizza night and all of that it's just different taco night whatever um and the kids usually love it and they say oh man you know I don't feel like I have a rock in my stomach or anything like that. And a lot of their friends are all athletes. So they love, you know, the benefit of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And do, do your kids, have they ever gone through stages? I get this a lot from, you know, parents and even my own kids will kind of push back a little bit, like sometimes with, um, well, why can't I try that? You know, like they're, this family eats this and why can't like, have your kids ever been kind of curious, you know, about, it sounds like they've had sugar and then felt the effects of it, but do you, um, yeah, I guess, how do you enforce, do you say no sugar or do you let them kind of experiment? How do you kind of like walk that line? Well, you know, having celebrities in the house, they know how, (laughs) um, you know, when they come over to visit, they know how, um, important, food is and like how it's brought us to this lifestyle and you know like Halle Berry wouldn't be you know doing stuff with me if we weren't so I don't want to say strict but um educated about our food system um but yeah they've been in places where they've had sugar and they come home they're like oh I never want to eat that again I feel terrible 
And I'm like, that's a learning experience, you know, remember how you feel. And um, sometimes I'll say, hey, mom, uh, so-and-so has cupcakes. Could we make our cupcakes? And I'm like, absolutely. I don't have the time, but absolutely, let's do it. And they help me. And I worked with a lot of um, therapists where people think that the most important time of the day is the family meals, family dinner, eating together. And they're like, that's not true. That's usually just the only time that people sit down together. The most important thing is that families spend time together. So don't worry about a meal time together, but maybe cooking that meal, like if they're in sports or after school activities where you can't eat together, who cares? But finding time to maybe make some snacks. So when they get home, um, they have something to eat or whatever, but it's more about that. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. Just sharing that time together. And I do think what I've noticed with my own kids, they're only six and eight and just talking to them about things too, like the, you know, what, what sugar does to the body and, and just making that link, like you said, make it more of a learning experience, you know, like, well, okay, go ahead, try, you know, see how you feel afterwards and letting them kind of experience that for themselves. And I think that's a really important connection that most of us don't make as children, but the link between what you eat and how it makes you feel, you know, um, that's that. And they see all this. Yeah. That, and they see the very ill people that I work with. It is really a family affair. They help. I can't, I can't respond to the thousands of Instagram messages I get. I can't respond to all the Facebook messages I get. I get them on YouTube, Twitter, everywhere, they help respond and they know the answer and they see how ill people are. They see how bad they want to get off sugar to the point where they don't ever want to be addicted like they are. Sugar is an addiction. Yes. Well, that's everyone listening can, (laughs) this is mostly for me included sugar addicts and yeah, knowing I was too. Yeah. And knowing I just don't want my kids to be that way, but I know, I just guess, is there any other advice you would give around? Um, Cause sometimes I have people tell me I'm extreme, you know, and, and, what <laughs> I do, and I even allow the kids to have, like, if they're at a birthday party, I let them have one thing, you know, even though that wouldn't necessarily be my choice, but again, I don't want them. I'm like, I, people say, well, you're going to, cause them then to be that first kid that when they do are out of the house, they're going to go like crazy and binge on a bunch of things. So how do you kind of answer that concern or when people might say that like, well, you know, I don't want to make the kids have any kind of disordered eating or anything. Um, if they called me extreme, I would say that's about them, not about me for sure. I mean, they have the addiction that they don't want to break. When you see a two-year-old eating a McDonald's French fry that can't even really say French fry, that disturbs me because that child did not ask for a French fry. That adult wanted them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think that a lot of adults don't want to get rid of the goldfish and the junk in the pantry because they want it to. And the only way that the family is going to get healthier as if nobody has it in the house because nobody needs it. And um, people are triggered when society starts changing and get, getting rid of sugar. I mean, when I started cutting sugar out of my life, my mom made me my favorite pie. Was it because she didn't love me? No, but she was afraid that I was going to change. But guess what? I changed big time and I changed for the better. 
And if you want to change for the better, you have to let go of those external voices telling you that, oh, you're being too extreme because it's not about you. That's about them and their addiction. Yeah, so true. And I do find it's very triggering for people. Um, food, for sure. Like even just mentioning, well, if I even just tell people I don't want sugar and flour, it's like, I'm not even saying they shouldn't, but just the reactions I get sometimes I'm like, oh, wow. I'm true. Obviously I'm triggering something inside of them too, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's really true. And a lot of times it is about, um, them more than it is about you. So, uh, I just love this so much. We're pretty much out of time here. Um, I'm just going to say again that please get this book. The beginning too, I should say, it's just really good. Um, you just talk through a lot of stuff, like, um, even what, and this would be a great book to get with kids to kind of talk and educate them about why you need protein and how you cut out sugar and what all the different vitamins are that are important. And, you know, you go through a lot of the, these, it's very informative too. It's not just wonderful, beautiful pictures and great, um, recipes. So yeah, I really highly recommend this for people to get and then share with their kids. What I've been trying to do is ask my kids, like, why don't you just pick a recipe and then we'll try and make it. And again, it's like way out of my comfort zone, but so far I've been able to handle the recipe. So I appreciate that they are, you know, I would say for the most part, they're at least doable. Like they are easy, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't start with the monkey bread that one would, or the pop tarts. That one is a little bit uh, more technical, but if you are having a hard time getting your kids to eat maybe eggs for breakfast, try the pudding because the pudding's pretty mind blowing. And um, my kid was very picky, and that's how the pudding was invented. It's easy; you throw everything into a blender, and it has eggs in it. Um, but it's—I made it for Halle Berry. She's like, "I don't want to eat this," and when she did, she's like, "This is like the best mousse ever." <laughs> so try it; it's good. And yeah, you do address picky eaters as both of my kids are picky too. So you address all of that in there and you have some really good tips on, and just like this, trying that pudding. We have not done the pudding yet, so I will try that. Um, and again, oh, try have, that. I, no, I work with a lot of, what? I was just saying, just having I, I was more say, I work with a lot of families. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. More protein for their brain, um, for their, their bodies to grow properly. Um, but I work with a lot of families with children who have autism and I understand the texture difficulty and picky eating. And so I think I tried to address all of that throughout the book. Yeah, you really did. So thank you so much for writing this book and for all that you do, honestly, and just wearing or raising awareness and educating and being a part of this change to the whole, you know, like there's still a long way to go, but I just feel like the more people that are educated and aware, the more changes that we're going to see, um, which I'm really hopeful for, but is there anything that maybe we didn't get to today that you did want to mention? You know what, this is kind of like totally off topic, but fun. Um, a couple of travel agencies have reached out to me and we do keto trips around the world. I have, a keto trip to Italy coming up in June, um, a keto trip to uh, Sicily in September, to Portugal in 
uh, October and Croatia the following May. So if people want to go on a trip and eat, really, they make my flourless chocolate cake. They make uh, my chicken parm. Like people are like, how do you eat keto in Italy? Honestly, they make the most delicious food. You wouldn't even know that you're missing out. But honestly, I'm not a judgy person. If you want to eat pasta or gelato, there's plenty of opportunities for that. And we've gone on many trips and people have. And a lot of people weren't even keto before they joined the trip and they just wanted to learn more. Because throughout the trip, when we're traveling from city to city, that's when I teach about how to do it properly. And um, gosh, it's just like so much fun. So if people want to do that, they can um, message me or check it out on ketomaria.com. Okay, it's on your website. Yeah, that I didn't even know you're doing that. That sounds amazing. What a great cool. way to travel and get educated and yeah, not be overwhelmed about going to Italy, but wanting to stick to a keto diet. I love well, that you do that. Thank you. Some people, they have like type one diabetes. They have to cut, keep the sugar away. They have to keep the gluten and everything away, or they have, you know, whatever, um, eating, you know, health issue they have, they have to stay that way. But some people just want to learn about how to lose weight and go on vacation. And honestly, we're treated like Kings and Queens. We even stayed in a castle. Um, we had VIP tickets to the Vatican. There was probably a three mile long line and we didn't wait in line at all. We go right to the front. It's, you feel bad, but it's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Well, please everyone for more information and I'll, I'll make sure I link your website to ketomaria.com. Check that out. All your recipes will link the book for sugar-free kids, but I'm all your books I know are on your um, website as well. So people, cause you have a lot of books that people, but I really, I would really suggest starting kids or no kids. This sugar-free kids book is amazing. So it's my favorite one too, my friend. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, again, thank you so, so much for being with us today. It was a pleasure talking with you. You're a, you're a blessing. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.